So Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 21. Paul writes, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. For it is written, be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child, break forth and cry aloud, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are the children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. But what does scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Yeah, so that was Genesis 21, page 21, verse 1. And the heading is the birth of Isaac. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Bathsheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, 
for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Thanks so much. Let's pray and ask God to help us to grasp that passage. Father, thank you for the Bible. Um, we pray, Lord, that by your spirit in our minds and hearts that you would help us to understand this and to live it out in obedience to you. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, you know, um, I have to say that my dad is ancient. I mean, it used to be a bit embarrassing at the school gate because uh, uh, everyone thought he was my great-great-grandfather. And uh, frankly, he could have been. I mean, he was 87 when I was born, I tell you. I mean, extraordinary. And uh, you see, what happened was my mum couldn't get pregnant. And uh, so she used, well, you'd call it a surrogate. And uh, so that's what my dad did. And uh, 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 and so she's my biological mum uh, and my dad's my dad. But then you wouldn't believe what happened, um, whatever it was, about 13 years ago. Um, uh, my mum, not the surrogate, but my dad's wife, mum, uh, she got pregnant. And she was about 90. I mean, I don't know, don't know what you feel about that, but it feels kind of a bit rude, really, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, a bit weird, really. Um, and then I had this kid brother. I mean, I was a teenager, and, uh, and he turns up, and everyone's amazed. Well, you should be. Uh, and then and in our country, um, mums feed their kids for about three years, all right? And uh, uh, and you have an infant. You know, you've heard about infant mortality rates, haven't you? Well, we haven't, but you have. And uh, uh, and and in our country, if you get to three, you've done pretty well. So we have a big party when you get to three. And uh, uh, and so when my uh, when my kid brother gets to three, uh, they had a big party. And uh, I never got one, but he did. And. Um, it's as if he's the only one in the world, really. It's the only one they ever talk about. And I lost it, really. I mean, um, you know how three-year-olds are, don't you? You know what they're like. And uh, uh, it can be really uh, easy to wind them up. And it's nice doing that when you're a teenager. So uh, it's good fun. And apparently I overstepped the mark. And uh, my uh, my mum, that's my dad's wife, uh, demanded I should get chucked out with my birth mother, and my dad agreed. So we were just uh, sent out into the desert, me and my mum. And I've never seen my dad since, and that was 13 years ago. Don't expect to ever see him again. Still, we've done all right, my mum and me. I mean, it was a bit touch and go. I mean, we survived. Um, I work in, uh, well, I, I like to call it uh, amongst, uh, I'm a defense contractor now. And... Uh, uh, I mean, people say I'm a bit of a weapons expert, and my mum found me a wife. I've got four kids. There's another one on the way, and uh, so it's not all bad. Uh, and people look at me and they say, uh, oh, God's looked after you, Ishmael. He's looked after you. Well done. And I reckon he has. But I wonder if I'll ever see my dad again. Well, Genesis 21, page 21 of our Bibles, and uh, it's a biblical, biblical account of uh, Ishmael and Isaac, two 
kind of half-brothers, two boys, same dad, different mums. And, and you'd think, okay, this is an Old Testament story, very interesting, I'm sure, but actually, uh, what on earth has it got to do with us? Well, if you look at the New Testament and our first reading, it tells us this has got an awful lot to do with us. It's got a huge amount to do with us, because in Galatians 4, it says that uh, Ishmael and Isaac are two pictures of how to get right with God, two pictures of how to live for God. And uh, uh, and basically, it's just saying that these are, th- there are two ways that people can try and get saved, Okay. Uh, and two two ways that people try and give themselves hope or try to get hope. Just the two. And there isn't a third one. Okay? It's just the two. And that's what we read from uh, uh, in Galatians chapter 4. And, uh, and the two ways are these. The salvation, the DIY way, do-it-yourself way, or the DIG way, the do-it-God's way. And everyone on the planet, everyone who's ever lived, is either one or the other. All right. So tonight, you're either the DIY way or you're the DIG way. You're either do-it-yourself way or you're doing it God's way. Now, you may be thinking, I'm not really very interested in God. Or you may pe- meet people who are not very interested in God, and they will say, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not bothered about this salvation business at all. Well, you would fall into the DIY way because you're wanting to do it yourself, aren't you? Or not do it yourself. You're not interested in God's way. So uh, there are, um, well, I say everyone on the planet, everyone apart from one, of course, because there was one exception. Uh, His name was Jesus, and he didn't need saving because he was God, and he came to save us. So if you're going to be saved, if you're going to become one of God's people, if you're going to go to heaven when you die, there are two possible ways, but only one of them works. There's the DIY way, or there's do it God's way way. And the thing is, you see, you're in one of those tonight. For every single person on this planet is on one of those ways tonight. And uh, one of the things I've been praying about tonight is that you would understand and you would see which of those ways you're on tonight. And as a result of that, say, actually, I need either I need to change because I'm on the wrong one, or it maybe will confirm in your mind and your heart and your life for the first time that actually you're on the right way. And you will want to thank God, perhaps afresh or maybe for the first time tonight. So let's have a look at these two ways. Here's the first one. The do-it-yourself way, which is the Ishmael way. And the most important thing for us to realize that when you, when you think of the do-it-yourself way, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Okay, If you're thinking about how you may get to heaven, how you may be right with God, the do-it-yourself way doesn't work. And Ishmael is a picture of do-it-yourself salvation, and it doesn't work. It never works. It never has, and it never will. Now, God had promised Abraham uh, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, and the sand on the seashore. And then uh, that was in, in Gen... Well, he, was, he begins his promises to Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis. It's confirmed again in Genesis 15.5 when God says to Abraham, Abraham, look up at the sky and I want you to count the stars. Because when you look at the stars, so shall your offspring be. That is God's promise, promise to Abraham. But Abraham and Sarah were ancient. And so Sarah suggests to Abraham a bit of DIY. 
Sarah says to Abraham, look, uh, um, go and have sex with my Egyptian slave, Hagar. That's in Genesis 16 and verse 2, if you want to look at it. And he did, and she got pregnant, and she went to full term, and Ishmael was born. So they were saying, well, God's made this promise to you, Abraham, but he's not keeping his promise. It's been a long, long time. It's possibly been 10 years or so at that point since the promise, maybe a bit more. So we'll do a bit of DIY. And then a little bit later on, when uh, when Ishmael was probably in um, rooted, Abraham has three visitors. And in Genesis 18 and verse 10, one of them says to Sarah, about this time next year, you're going to have a son. Not just you're going to have a baby, you're going to have a son about this time next year. And Sarah laughed. She, she thought, what a joke, I'm 89. You don't have a baby when you're 89, do you? And three months later, guess what? She was pregnant. And a year later, guess what? She gave birth to a son. And guess what? She called him Isaac. They had to wait. Sometimes waiting can be really hard and really difficult. But actually what happened was God was true to his promises. Abraham, Sarah, there's no need to take it into your own hands. God is faithful and he's true to his promises. But do you see here what happened in the first place? You see here that uh, uh, the Ishmael way is a DIY way. And saying to us, if you want to be part of God's family... If you want to be saved, actually, you can't do it yourself. And more than that, there's no need to try. But people do. Well, it's quite funny. Well, I, I mean, it's well, quite funny. It's quite sad as well. But, uh, I, you know, I often meet people, say, at a, a party or a, um, uh, something like that, wedding reception or something. And, uh, uh, and when they find out that I'm a vicar, half of them, roughly, guaranteed, half of them, will answer one way, half of them will the, will the other. But as soon as they find out a vicar, if they're not Christians, uh, they will say uh, in something to me about their DIY way of trying to get to heaven, of trying to earn God's acceptance. And uh, uh, so they'll be saying things to me like, well, I, I help out the church fate, or I'm a leader of rainbows, or, oh, I sing in the choir, or, oh, I was at our church at Christmas, the Carlsbine candlelight was so delightful. And the other half... They tell me about how nice their local church building is, thinking that I might be interested. You see, the trouble with the DIY religion, as we'll see here, well, there are two problems, basically. The first one is it's divisive. Now, uh, you see here, when Isaac uh, is getting uh, mocked by Ishmael at at this uh, um, kind of three-month, three-year, this weaning party that's, that's going on here, and uh, and it was uh, it was fairly unpleasant, really. Uh, and um, he's a he's a you know he's a teenager. Ishmael's a teenager. You don't hold back, do you? You know you, you, you're good on on the mocking and the uh, uh, a bit of backbiting from time to time. That's what that's what teenager. That's what I did when I was a teenager. And you know and uh, you know but especially when others are doing it, it's easy to join in, isn't it? 
But actually, you see, the parting of the ways here, look at verse um, 6. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. She's sharing the joy here. And she added, uh, uh, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And then they have the weaning party. Uh, and then uh, what happens was uh, all this uh, stuff goes on. And she said to Abraham in verse 10, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. Get rid of him. There's a parting of the ways. There's a parting of the ways. And actually, it's a parting of the ways here is probably wise. It protects Isaac. And actually, Ishmael gets protected as well, as we'll see in a minute. But you see, the DIY way and the doing it God's way always diverge. They're always separate. And in the end, they lead to incompletely separate destinations. It is divisive. There is a division. And it's often a divisive way. Doing it yourself often will divide off from other people. But the other thing, and uh, possibly more important, is this. It's devastating. Because Ishmael and his mum Hagar are sent out on a journey away from God's people, away from life, away from salvation. And in a painful way, that happens uh, of what happens to Hagar and Ishmael actually is a picture of what is happening uh, to people who are doing it themselves. They're, they're finding themselves taken away from God and away from salvation. Um, there are many parallels, actually. Hagar and Ishmael had revelation without the salvation. Many people in this world have revelation without the salvation. Hagar and Ishmael had a wilderness but without a covenant, a binding agreement from God. That happens as well today. We see that in people's lives. They had wanderings without the promised land. And many people today are living lives lost, but they've got no promised land, nothing that they're heading towards, nothing they're heading for in eternity. Um, Hagar and Ishmael had a promise but there was no fulfillment. Hagar and Ishmael had an exile, but there was no return. Hagar and Ishmael had a life, but they had no eternal life. No inheritance, no eternity, and no salvation. You see, in the end, a do-it-yourself religion is a religion which is devastating. We see it all the time in our friends and our family, don't we? Walking away from God and walking to a lost eternity. Yeah, people say, well, I don't need church, so I'll take my chances. I'll do it my own way. I want to say, never trust in your own DIY religion. Actually, I tend not to trust in my own DIY. I certainly shouldn't be trusting in my own DIY religion. And have you noticed how God still cares? That is great here. Ishmael is walking away from God's people, being sent away from hope, from life. And look at verses 15 to 21 here, and you still see that God cares. They're in the semi-desert. They say in verse 14 there, they've got a skin of water. You might think, oh, it's a bit like John Wayne in a cowboy film. He's got a little kind of canteen there with water in it, about a pint's worth or something. Actually, it's more like more like one of those uh, kind of modern-day bladder things that holds about, well, actually, it's bigger than that. It was a 24-liter rucksack, basically, full of water, okay? Three gallons of water, most likely. Um, But actually, it runs out. You know, when you're in a semi-scrub desert and you've been there for probably quite a long time, in the end, it's going to run out. And it does. And Ishmael's about to die from thirst as a young teenager. Hasn't got to KO yet. And he's about to die from thirst. Um, Verse um, 
Uh, verse 16 here. Uh, this is uh, Hagar. Well, she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch my boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. That's interesting, because in verse 17, it's God hears the boy crying. And uh, and then he says, uh, uh, God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what's the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. And he's going to sort out the problem because he's caring for them. Uh, he's caring for them. It is uh, an extraordinary thing. He still cares. And Ishmael became the father of 12 rulers, the father of 12 nations. And God still cares and provides for the people who are not his people. I think this is an example of what people call common grace. In other words, the way that God still provides for all mankind. So God still provides for air for all mankind to breathe, food for all mankind to eat, water for all mankind to drink. I think this is an example of that common grace. But underlying underlying this, there's also this tragedy that there's a great divide and there is a great and ultimate devastation of not belonging to God's people. Where do you stand? And maybe you've just come back from Formark. You've had a brilliant week. And uh, maybe you're thinking, well, actually, for the first time, I, I know for sure I am a member of God's people. Or maybe you're just uh, uh, new to BH. You're thinking, well, this is a whole load of stuff that I'm, I'm hearing for the first time here. And I'm, uh, I'm not sure if I am yet a member of, of God's people. Well, there is, and this talks about, a great dividing of the ways and a great devastation for those who are doing a DIY religion. So let me tell you more. The second point here, uh, the do it God's way, which is the wonderful good news of the gospel. Uh, or the Isaac way, if you like, because Isaac was given by God. Isaac was the result of a promise. God promising to Abraham and Sarah they were going to have a boy despite them being absolutely ancient. Isaac means laughter. I mean, Sarah laughed in Genesis 18 when she was told she was going to have a baby. I mean, it was ridiculous, wasn't it? How can you have a baby when you're 90? And, uh, and then, a year later, there's a different kind of laughter. And there are others laughing with her. So you look at verse 6, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about it will laugh with me. That's a different kind of laughter, isn't it? And uh, uh, she's 90 and she's given birth. And it's a laughter and a joy for us to join in with. And there's not enough laughter in the world. Apparently, the average child laughs 150 times a day. And the average adult, 15. Well, I reckon Christians ought to be laughing a bit more than that. We've got a lot to laugh about. And uh, well, perhaps, perhaps we've, got a, we've got a responsibility to up the average here. Have a lot of fun. And uh, there should be a lot of laughter in church. Now, they had to wait, though. Abraham and Sarah had to wait, was it 20, was it 25 years? That's a long time from that first promise, isn't it? That's a long time to think, oh, he's forgotten, or maybe we didn't hear him right, or we didn't quite get that, or maybe we just made a mistake, or he's changed his mind. And they had to be patient, and they had to trust in God. One of the guys I read this week about this talks about the excruciating tension and delay. From the moment that promise was given the time when it was fulfilled and see the thing is god's timing is not our timing necessarily is it sometimes we have to learn to wait and be patient 
And sometimes that's really quite difficult. One little example, our son Chris, um, uh, they felt it was right, Chris and Sarah's wife and uh, Isabel, our granddaughter, felt it was right to move up to Norwich. Chris applied for a job up in, he's a teacher, applied for a job up in Norfolk. We all thought that was a really good job. And we were all pretty devastated when he didn't get it. But actually, he's uh, applied for others. He's got a job now, and uh, they'll be moving up there um, next month. And uh, uh, and we think, actually, uh, in the end, that waiting and that being patient and that having to trust God that this was going to work out somewhere, somehow, I think that's been very good for them and very good for us, for, us, for Anna and for me, uh, for instance, as we've prayed. And it was good for Abraham and Sarah to wait, to be taught to trust God. And that's, you know, when you look at the next chapter, Genesis 22, and, uh, you know, Abraham tested with, uh, well, we're going to see next week. And, uh, uh, and, you know, I think Abraham needed to learn that patience and that trusting of God in order to be able to do the extraordinary thing, what we hear about in Genesis chapter 22. It was the slow maturing of God's promise, as someone else wrote about it this week. You know, some things take a long time to mature, don't they? And this is one of them here. Lord, teach me to wait with patience. Please teach me patience. As I know I grow to trust you more when I'm patient. So three things just briefly, then we're done. Uh, First of all, believe God's promise. And uh, let's go back one. First of all, believe God's promise. Look at verse one. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. She had a baby boy, just as God promised. Impossible, but it happened. And in verse uh, 28 of Galatians chapter 4, our first reading, it says this. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. You, brothers and sisters, if you're Christians, like Isaac, you're children of promise. Now, what does that mean? Now, well, God makes promises. And his promise to us is if you put your faith in Jesus, if you become his child now, a child of promise, then you're going to be with him forever in heaven. Now, that is a pretty good promise. That is a very, very good promise to you, to us all. That when we put our faith in Jesus and he says, I promise you, I promise you that when you put your faith in me, when you trust in me, I promise you new life now. In heaven when you die. That's God's promise. So believe God's promise. Carry on believing God's promise. That's what it's about. I'm a Jesus person now. I'm his. And I have one very precious promise. And I'm going to live with him now in this new life which he's given me. Which transcends death and ends up in heaven. I'm going to keep on believing the promise. Believe the promise. Today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for the rest of this week and for the rest of your life. Maybe you just come back from four, Mark, and you're on a bit of a buzz, although very tired buzz at the moment. But the key thing is we all need to be praying that you keep on believing the promise. And actually, would you pray for everyone else as well, that we will keep on believing the promise. That actually, when we put our trust in Jesus, when we put our hand in his, we will be with him for the whole of this life and for the whole of eternity. Believe the promise. Second thing is, Rely on God's grace. Just verse one again there. Have a look at that. Now the Lord was gracious 
to Sarah. Gracious. When uh, you know the DIY way, the Ishmael way, uh, you get on the wrong road that leads away from life. Means going, you're going to have a life lived in a different kind of way. But this, when you put your hand in the hand of the Lord Jesus, when you're believing his promise, you end up relying on his grace. I love, uh, I found this this week. Gr- someone said this, grace is young glory. Grace is young glory. And we rely on God now to give us life and to help us in this life. And in the fullness of time, that grace from God, that gift from God, will mature as we take our place in heaven, sharing God's glory. And in the meantime, out of his goodness and out of his love and out of his grace, his gracious acting towards us, he helps us every day to live for Jesus by his spirit in our lives. And we need that help. And we have to rely on that help. You know, as you come back from full mark today, and you're on the tired high, that's wonderful, isn't it? Had a brilliant week. We've been praying for you every day. In two weeks' time, I mean, the devil won't actually be too worried if you've had a great time, providing he can really muck it up. And in about two weeks' time, when things begin to go flat and all the rest of it, well, let's pray it won't do. And let's be relying on God's grace. It's the same God, same grace, same generosity, same love. And let's all be praying that you'll keep on going with him and that you will continue to be a wonderful influence in this church family. So believe in God's promise, rely on God's grace, and finally, enjoy. Enjoy. Look at verses 6 and 7. God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears that will laugh with me. And she added, who would have uh, said to Abraham uh, that uh, Sarah would nurse children? You know, I'd born him a son in his old age. He was a 100. I mean, think of that. Imagine how she felt. Some people sign off an email or something with uh, enjoy grace. And sometimes I think, oh, that's a bit holy. I'm not sure I can cope with that. But uh, uh, but it's wonderfully true, isn't it? It's wonderfully true. Martin Luther, when he realized that salvation was a gift of God, guy in the Reformation, he said this, At this I felt myself straightway born afresh and to have entered through the open gates into, bar- into paradise itself. Sounds to me like that's something to be enjoyed. We're meant to enjoy being Christians. It's fun. It's supposed to be fun being Christians a lot of the time. Sometimes we go through really hard times and it can be a struggle and so on. It should be fun as well, though. Yeah, but we know there are tough times. But there's plenty to smile about and plenty to be joyful about, too. So enjoy being a Christian this week. Enjoy grace and all that God has given us in the Lord Jesus. Uh, And let's do it God's way. Don't try and earn your way to heaven. As you know, it'll never work. Do it God's way. Do it the Isaac way. And just simply these three things which aren't on the screen. Um, Believe in God's promise. Rely on God's grace. And enjoy it. Enjoy it a lot. Let's pray.
Father, thank you that these passages in the Old Testament, which sometimes we read and we think, what on earth is that about? Uh, but Father, thank you that there's a wonderful, there are wonderful truths here about how we're going to live our lives. Pray you'd help us to live the, the uh, doing it God's way, doing it the Isaac way, trusting, believing, relying on your wonderful love and grace. And we pray you'd help us to enjoy it. For Jesus' sake. Amen.